live from Pahrump, Nevada, in the Dirt Bike Test studio. <laughs> Sounds so official, doesn't oh, it? Oh, God, it's fantastic. Where I just got out of the Dirt Bike Test pool, because uh, it's too hot to go riding today. It's That'd the first day that I think it's officially too hot to go riding. Ooh, it was warm. This is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, number 17. I'm here with Big John Perkins, who daringly made a return back. Um, we are going to answer your motorcycle and motorcycle-related questions. And I'm, I'm looking at the background, and it looks like I have wires coming out of the top of my head. I need a tall hat, don't I? You need a bigger seat. I need to sit up or something. <laughs> I'll try to sit up. Good for my posture. Uh, so we are uh, I've been doing this for a little while. We are uh, brought to you basically by no one tonight, um, but uh, we're still getting helped out by uh, Kate's Bars. If you are hungry and you are out riding, there is nothing better than a Kate's Bar. I have one right here. Right here. I found it. Look at Kate's Bars. Uh, the tastiest things you can carry around in your fanny pack. If you want a discount code on Kate's Bars, uh, send me an email, jimmy at dirtbiketest.com, and I can... Uh, Get you a discount code, and you will be addicted, too. Look at that. The Kate's logo comes right up. There's Gabe over there helping us out with these uh, little technological things that um, I don't understand. You know, under underrated process on the Kate's bars is the uh, the wrappers actually tough enough to bounce around in your pack all day and not break. And for multiple months. There's Yeah. I can attest to that. It's a good, it's a good quality wrapper holding a very nice, solid uh, quality food. So that's something you didn't know about uh, Kate's bars. Uh, and I have uh, a Ramiro's Taco. Ramiro's is the uh, original home of Dirt Bike Test. These are tasty mm, 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 tacos. I'm going to eat some right now, and John's going to talk because my mouth's going to be full. Oh, God, yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk about your tacos. Anyways, uh, Ramiro's, definitely definitely fantastic tacos. Local here in Pahrump. Yeah. I don't... Do they... Are, are they an active sponsor on this particular program? Or? Hey, they, they didn't kick me out of the bar, so... Fantastic. I mean, I left because the internet connection wasn't that good, but... Did you get I, your seat yet? No, oh, okay. that, that I forgot about that, and I'm glad you just bummed me out by bringing that up. I apologize. So, want to bring that back up next time? Um, we have some questions past the Tecron. I'm not going to drink this, although it does look drinkable. Um, we know a little bit of a lot. Actually, I know a lot more about um, Chevron Tecron Power Sports additive. So uh, we're going to kind of go through a run-through on that. The guys there were kind enough to uh, let me do a little conference call with them and learn a lot about the product. John's going to learn about the product right now by reading the label because I make sure he's fully prepped Working when on he it. comes out here. And uh, as my social media criticizer, he also um, was nice to me today, and he said he learned everything he could about the 2020 Yamahas by reading dirt bike test posts and or going to our website, or just did you just look at Instagram? I, I may or may not have used social media to find such information, but uh, I, it's it's so hard when social media is, is, is such a big part in most people's lives these days. Yeah, so you you tripped over it on accident. Yes, exactly. What else did you trip over today? By the way, what was your what was your scary moment today? My scary moment. Yeah, you said you had a scary moment. You went over to your parents' house. You walked into your parents. You visited. Oh goodness! Uh, what a <laughs> <laughs> actually a fantastic time. I walked into my parents' uh, house this afternoon, and, and they had Tech Talk Taco Tuesday on the TV on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> Motorcycle yeah. lovers, all of them. Yeah, your uh, your parents were stalking you on the on the internets. Oh, how did yeah. how did they find out about that? How did that? How did what? Where? What was there? I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, the social media stumble upon. Yeah. Same same <laughs> as uh, same as most information so how that's parents, passed around this world. How parents keep track of their kids. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna dive right into some of the questions uh, that we received over the course of last week. As usual, we put these up. Currently, we're putting them up on YouTube. Eventually, there'll be a podcast uh, someplace when I get unlazy and uh, start to produce that and put it up someplace. But right now, um, you can ask your questions on our YouTube feed and or on this live feed if you're watching it now on Facebook. And this is from David Lindenschmidt. And it says he sent it 12 hours ago, but that was a week ago. <laughs> he says, would the JD tuner add enough fuel for an open exhaust? All the shops keep telling me I need a Vortex or a Get. I have a 2017 FE350. I mainly just chase my 6 to 8-year-old boys around on trails only. I'd like to either add an end cap or a slip-on exhaust. That's really it. Yeah, all all you need is a JD jetting tuner. Um, the funny thing is, is I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, the Vortex, 
uh, is kind of more, it's a more high performance uh, thing because you can also tune the ignition as well as the fueling. Uh, and it's generally, they give you 10 maps inside of it and they're back ordered all the time, it seems like. The Get, I don't know that they make a, uh, th that's usually data acquisition stuff, correct? Yeah, or, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I know at the factory level they have tuning, uh, they have tuning stuff, but uh, I've not used a Get tuner or a get ecu so i don't know um that but for what you need um it will add plenty of fuel for an open exhaust it'll add too much fuel uh for an open exhaust but you don't really want an quote open exhaust exhaust uh what they are referring to um, when you say open exhaust you just want to you know kind of get it freed up a little bit uh an end cap or a slip-on is actually a pretty dramatic increase on that bike it's really good only when you add the JD jetting tuner or a tuner of that nature. So uh, yes, that that'll it'll be fine. That's all that I have on my personal bike. So, and I just use I run an FMF exhaust and the tuner, and I'm very happy with how much power it has. I don't do any other modifications uh, for power. Um, those are those are pretty amazing kits for 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 what you pay and what you get in return. Because because the bike is so basically so corked up stock mm -hmm. you, you, and you're like if you bought the same parts for your motocross bike you'd get like a maybe a two or five percent increase maximum um but on this thing you're getting like a 20 percent increase uh, yeah yeah because they, they got those things all kinds of stuffed up for uh because uh, for sound those are and those are 50 state legal legal bikes yeah yeah that's so you know. what we're yeah we're talking about anytime you're talking about a bike that's either street legal or green sticker compliant you're talking about an epa uh compliant bike so Jason Sands asks, "Hey Jimmy, I really like that skid plate for the 1090. Which brand is it? Um, you're referring to one of the videos we have on my personal KTM 1090 that I built up. I'm pretty sure that that is the TourTech. Actually, I'm positive it's the TourTech Hydroform skid plate. Um, it's pretty light for an adventure skid plate, but it does plenty of protection, um, and which is good. And it doesn't change the handling characteristics and." It protects a lot of stuff. So does, does that uh, does that skid plate mount to the chassis or? It has it. It does tie into the chassis and into the motor um, through yeah. some. They have some pretty um, interesting, uh, you know, things that I, I I don't remember specifically what it ties to. Like on the so for instance, I've tried a bunch of different skid plates on those bikes. So there's Black Dog Cycle Works, which mm -hmm. makes the the giant tank like oh, those things are heavy. skid plates they're heavy and they're for guys that smash into stuff and and um i have one on the bike that i like to hop over logs on for demonstrations because that's the best one for that mm -hmm. uh and it it ties into like the foot peg mounts it utilizes i i think they take it almost they don't really tie into the to the engine too much and if they do they beef it up where it goes but the ktm hard parts actually has like a almost like a a uh, 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 couple metal bars that run underneath it, oh. and then they mount um, to some hard points on the frame as well. And uh, so, because some of them, some of the skid plates mount to the engine cases and stuff, which is just like let's just destroy everything when we. Uh, yeah, I know that's hit, a, I know hit, that's a big worry in the adventure community. Hit but. the hit the skid plate. I and I'm not a. I mean, I I don't. I try not to ride the bike where I would actually need too much of a skid plate. Because then you're going outside of the parameters for that bike, and you could be in trouble. But um, yeah, the TourTech one is fine for the for the KTM 1090. I think it's a I think it's a really good skid plate. It's and it doesn't add a ton of weight, which on those bikes is it's already a problem. So mm. try not to make any more. Um, Danny Aza Anna Aza Zello Aza Zello. Um, oh hey, this is the the riding question. This is about. Uh, uh, riding technique. I'm going to put that one off till later. I'm not ready for that yet. I have to probably have to, uh, <laughs> to break that. That could just go on forever. <laughs> uh, Steven Walker. How about tires, specifically dual, port, dual sport tires? We, Coyote Trail Adventures, have really found durability versus cost versus function that we really like the Moto's, Moto Z and Kenda uh, rear tires work great. Still not totally happy with a great front tire. So far, the Moto Z's Intermediate 9090 is good. Thoughts on any of our tires? Well, uh, Stephen, where you and I differ is um, uh, durability versus cost versus function. And if you threw function, if your word function means performance, um, 
most of the Moto Z's tires kind of fall off of my spectrum at that point. They're excellent for durability. I'll give you that. But in performance, they're uh, medium to subpar at best. A lot of the um, the tires, especially on adventure bikes, that get good durability. You know, we're talking about like Hyde Hyde Nows and Metis, some of the Metis ones, and these ones that guys go, "I got seven thousand miles on this tire," and look at it, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's made out of cement, mm-hmm. and there's there's no grip from the rubber, there's no bump compliance, or there's too much bump compliance from the carcass. It's just like it, they're really bad. Um, and if you can't feel it, then fine. Uh, you're in a good position to buy inexpensive tires, I guess. But I'm telling you that the tire is what's hooking up to the ground, and that's where you're getting your traction from. And whether you can feel it or not, it's still getting the same amount of traction. Well, you, you, for the most part, a better rider will take better advantage of the traction, and we'll talk about the Graham Jarvis video in a little bit, and then talk about traction. Um, but anyways, so... Uh, Kenda and I, the full disclosure, Kenda supports my off-road riding schools and helps me out with tires for that. So, um, I, uh, am uh, biased in that respect, but at the same time, they make really good tires. Uh, and I run them on my personal bikes as well. And I put them on test bikes, uh, quite often and I'm really happy with the Kenda. So if we're talking adventure bikes, we're talking like the big block, the standard issue, uh, tire that. You, you would say that is the good baseline that everybody talks about is the Continental TKC80. Now, the Kenda is, is very similar to that. It has a little different knob shape and stuff, but performance-wise, they're almost identical. Uh, you the For me, the Continental is better on-road where you're gripping, where you're doing long sweeping turns and you're relying on the rubber and the, and the tread pattern to hold you on the road. Um, where the Kenda is better is in bump compliance. So when, if you were going between the uh, identical bike and you just switch those two tires, when you're going around those long turns on the Kenda big block, you would feel a slight bit of squirming, not that much, not enough to scare you. Not like you were on a, one of those other brands I mentioned earlier, which you would be very scared or crashed. Um, but when you ride down a washboarded dirt road, which you do a lot of times on adventure bikes, it feels like your suspension works better on the Kenda tires. And this is with the same, or similar pressures in uh, in the tires. And I run 27 front and rear most of the time on those two tires. The other tire, and then you throw cost into it, and the other tire is a higher cost. Well, the Continental is a high-cost tire. Um, the other one, when you throw cost into it, you can talk about the Michelin Anarchy Wild 3, and that tire has very, very similar performance to the, the other two tires, the Kenda and the Continental. But it's, I think, in a little bit, it's just a step back in traction, just overall traction in any situation, but it's also a step up in durability. So it will go maybe 500 more miles if in similar conditions. So those are the three tires um, that I would talk about there. Um, And uh, um, you know who else makes some pretty good adventure tires is Golden Tire. Uh, I have not uh, done a ton of testing with them, but they, they, some of the big ones that guys, you see guys riding on their dual sport bikes now work really well on adventure bikes off road. And they're surprisingly good on road. They're not to the same level as the, as the more, you know, the, the, the big block and the TKC 80, but off road, they're a step above. It's kind of, it's kind of like what you would expect the Dunlop 908 to work and look like the way it looks like you'd expect it to work, but it works way better. So that's my breakdown on tires. Hopefully, Stephen Walker, I answered your question, and uh, um, I'll probably have to answer it again next week because somebody will have some other variant of the same question. And I'll say, go, you should listen to last week's podcast. Uh, any, any, anytime you're asking for three of the best things in life, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to get them all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Casey Pilatus. Pilatus. Uh, Pepper. Does that go inside the radiator? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he is asking um, from last week's uh, podcast. He was asking because uh, somebody said that I should have poured. I uh, I had uh, another rider um, rode my radiator through a tree on our WR450 Yamaha, and it started leaking. Uh, pretty substantial leaks. And somebody recommended pepper, and I hadn't thought about it for a while. I've heard about it before. And yes, it goes in the radiator. So basically, when it starts leaking, you pour 
the pepper and a pretty substantial quantity of pepper into the radiator. And since it kind of floats and it has heavier and lighter pieces, it hopefully finds the holes and those tend to plug the hole if it's not a big, giant, gaping wound that's... This thing was so smashed, all the all the, 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 the cracks were kind of like cuts in the seams. So it, it may have worked. Um, I managed to get it back without the pepper, but yes. Uh, uh, so he needed if he wanted... Um, he's doing the tour of Idaho, and he wondered if he should pack some pepper. You should, because then if your pizza isn't spicy enough, you just sprinkle a little bit on top, and bingo. You're, yeah. You're, you can also use uh, sawdust. Sawdust? Yeah. Saw, very fine sawdust. Does the same thing. Also good to pack because it lights a good fire. Yep. Another so, tour of Idaho, stuck in the middle of the desert. And I've heard forest. I've heard people strange and strangely enough say egg whites. They yeah. they've egg oh. whites. And yeah. also if your pizza is a little Yeah, if your pizza's gone bad, you can put your pizza in there. I don't think that's the best thing to do. Um what are the best ways to reduce engine temperature? He asks. Don't slip the clutch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody, you know what? When your bike starts overheating, ninety percent of the time it's the clutch. You're slipping the clutch. You're slipping the clutch. It's making heat and friction, and the oil's getting hot, and then oil's carrying it up into your top end, and it's getting getting hot. Um, uh, a engine fan. If your bike has a fan, or you can put a, a accessory cooling fan on your radiators, uh, that will help if your engine heat temperature is coming in slow speeds, which generally it is. Um, I have noticed that there, um, some of the different radiator guards uh, at high speeds can uh, cause the bikes to run hot. So you're running the bike really hard going high speed, and if you have some of the radiator guards that aren't louvered, uh, it the air goes through there, I guess, too fast. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, slow it down, or it doesn't create the the vortex. And aerodynamics are really weird too, because a lot of times, like the 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 flatter radiator guards so the ones that actually protect the front of the radiator versus the side impact yep they'll uh they'll deadhead air because it'll basically build it will build a vortex there and yep. it'll build a block there when you're going fast so it's yep. it's, it's, it's maybe it's not flowing too through too fast yep. see if if mojave bob were here he could correct us on that but i scared him away i'm pretty sure because he wanted to write an introduction that was he's trying to get you to read the last time he was yeah. having you read those funny lines and and he he uh, I was ready for it. He he degraded my um, current hometown of Pahrump, Nevada. He, he he called it a bad word, kind of, and uh, I decided that I didn't like it. So I might have offended him, but you never know. He may be watching live, but he doesn't have the internet right now, evidently, because he's relying on the excellent um, internet connectivity that we have out here. Fantastic. And he doesn't do Facebook. I, I I'll bet you he does. He's he's a stalker on Facebook. So so, so I don't know if. I don't know if your ideas differ differ on this, but quality antifreeze. Uh, I've I've personally found that I can drop quite a few degrees by putting something along the lines of engine ice or water wetter. Oh, or, okay. So that is that is he's working up that he's working up that thing. Um, so he's asking about fans, aftermarket radiators. You know, some people make aftermarket radiators or start with something like Evans coolant. Um, I have found that good, pure water is some of the best stuff to have in your radiators uh, for kind of like cooling. I mean, I... Well, that's because antifreeze doesn't actually have... Yeah, and so so I've seen people add antifreeze, and all of a sudden they start having... Add a lot of antifreeze, you know, Mm -hmm. because usually it's 50-50, which is good. Well, if you have freezing issues and stuff like that. If you don't have freezing, you don't necessarily need it. But I did do some tests uh, a while back where we used water wetter and added the the appropriate amount of water wetter to the water mm-hmm. and it did drop it like 4 or 5 degrees which was which was pretty good i have tried some of the different um uh n- waterless coolants and i can't say that i really noticed a big difference and we did at, at dirt rider we did a very um kind of extensive test on all this different stuff i we did it for a dr dirt in the back of the thing back of the book and we we just didn't see a huge difference and the problem with the non-water stuff is water's kind of easy to get generally most of your buddies have water in their backpacks and you always use theirs so you still have yours to drink right um so you can pour some of their water in your radiator but if you can't mix water i don't mm-hmm. know who's carrying that stuff and so like on a, something like a tour of idaho in um, you know, 
I don't know where the tour of Idaho goes. I didn't study the route this year, but when you get to that place where there's just a, a cabin, <laughs> you're not going to get um, any of the stuff. So I would just, uh, you know, do your 75, 25, 75% water, 25% uh, antifreeze for some corrosion in a, in a, in a Yes, of course. Inhi- inhibiting? Inhibiting yeah. factor? Yeah. Distilled water. Distilled water, yeah. Distilled Especially water. Right now, you, you definitely want some of that antifreeze in there. Yeah. Should it get too... It gets cold. And uh, and add uh, add water wetter. I've had, like I said, I've had good luck with it. Um, and it did, I remember in the test, it did, all of them dropped it a little bit. You know, there was mm. some sort of drop. Well, some of them didn't. And the other thing about that is some of them cooled down uh, quicker than others i mean the, the how they how they dissipated the heat and you have to understand and i did some testing with um one of the boysen uh, uh impeller kits mm-hmm. that has a different impeller and stuff that that um i did a lot of testing with it in fact because someone was telling me that it really works it really works and i found out that your cooling system is a system and if you replace one part Generally, they're all engineered to work to each other's level. So when you start spinning your coolant faster into your radiators that can't handle the coolant coming through there faster, it doesn't make a difference. And so maybe that is the case with some of these coolants. You, you know that they may maybe mm-hmm. they need to spend a little more time, or maybe they, they don't need to spend as much time in the motor, more time in the radiator. And so there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff to it. But I mean. Quit slipping the clutch, and you don't need to worry about this. And I, I think that pretty much sums up the the question about bigger radiators as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, bigger radiators can help, and they can also hurt because you don't want your bike running too cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it they just they don't they they run good at a certain temperature, and then, better at a good temperature. And then in the same sense of, I mean, if if you're doing something really technical and you're constantly slipping the clutch, constantly really low grunty slipping clutch, lots of heat in the motor, lots of heat in the bike. It may stay cooler a little longer, but now you've got a bigger radiator full of the same temperature water and still no wind to cool it down. Yeah. So it's now you've just got yeah, a larger now, mass now, of now you have warm more water. heat that you gotta get rid of somehow or another. Yeah. <laughs> so uh it's a system. Remember, they're they, they do a pretty good job of designing and engineering this stuff. Uh so the fan would probably be your first uh if you don't have one, the fan would be the first uh step in that direction. Uh, okay. Let me see. Uh, I had my things. We're going to talk about the 2020 Suzuki's, which will take about 10 seconds. And then we'll talk about the 2020, uh, Yamaha's, which take a little bit longer, but I'm going to answer the riding question. I'm going to go for it. Okay. Danny, as a, as a, Anza Zello talking about gear and bikes is fun and all, but let's not forget to talk about the actual riding. I have two questions. I have about 100, but you have two. First, in your experience teaching and observing people ride, what works for getting weekend warrior-type riders who come into the sport past the time when learning is easy and injuries heal quickly to keep progressing? So you're talking about new old dudes. Is that is that Am I yeah, decoding yeah, no, that right? That's, okay. That's right. That's right. Um, I just say they should come to my riding school. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Best seven hundred dollars you'll spend. It might not be seven hundred dollars by the time um, next year rolls around, but uh, incredibly cheap compared to one one cast. Visit. Yeah, one cast. One, is, one cast will negate that. Um, uh, the in fact, it is the best modification you can do to your motorcycle is to put a better rider on it. I found that like with a hundred percent consistency. Um, putting a better rider on the motorcycle. So as far as modifying the bike, put a better rider on it. Um, so when what works getting the weekend where it's in reality. Okay. So far the best I know of is to try and find people to ride with who are faster and hit the gym during the week. Okay. Um, I know a lot of guys that are fast and hit the gym all the time and they can't tell me what they're doing. And I don't sure as heck don't want to follow them. And I'm talking about me riding with guys that are way faster and hit the gym all the time. Mm -hmm. I can watch them and I, because I know what they're doing, I can kind of learn. But if I didn't know what I was doing, I wouldn't want to, because they're going to tell you to get over the back and gas it. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 all sorts of things that can go wrong with that that scenario. There, I mean, to <laughs> to yes, in the ideal perfect scenario, if you follow a guy and he's faster than you, you should get faster. If you have all of the fundamentals, if you've got everything down, if if you know what you're doing and you know what you're applying, 
then you can pick up a little bit of time here in tenths of seconds. You're, you're not going to jump a 10-second lap time span by following someone that's faster than you. You might ride over your head and make it a couple laps before you crash harder, but... In the, then in then the, you have the injuries that don't heal so quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah, back to that. Um, I'm going to answer the second question, I'm going to roll back into it. So second question, teaching noob ladies, yeah, how to ride. I see a lot of angst with dudes trying to get their girlfriends, wives, uh, just friends to at least hit the trails with them. Very different mindset, etc. Tips and tricks to make it fun and avoid the usual fit pitfalls. Um, Dimitri, I think my wife answered that question on the on the form uh, where you a- answered it, and she 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 suggested have her go riding with girls, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, cause I, I can tell you that as the course director of an all women's off-road, uh, navigation rally, they are different. They're definitely different. So I can't explain it because I'm not one, but, uh, heed her advice. Um, uh, and, and, um, sometimes they don't, uh, it, it's like, it's just like, even with your buddies, if you have two completely different skill levels, you probably shouldn't go riding together. I mean, like if you're if you both want to enjoy it, if there's a teaching relationship going on, but um, my wife Heather would tell you straight up that I was probably the worst teacher she ever had, uh, other than I just beat beat it into her. Um, did I say that out loud? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was painful. The terminology. I mean, was... It was painful. Uh, it just just because it's hard to teach someone that you're close to. No, it, of course, it's it's, it's way better. It's you know, easier to hire a coach. So uh, so so roll back. Here's the thing: is when we're talking about riding skills and stuff, it's really simple. I'm going to give this to you right now. So a motorcycle does four things: it accelerates, it decelerates, it initiates a turn, and it controls a turn. This is in my world. Other people teach teach differently. So I can explain anything that anybody does on a motorcycle anytime. In those using those four terminologies, I can say it's doing this, 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 and this. When you get up to expert level, those guys can blend stuff together, blend two things together, and make it work. But the reason they can do it is because they do it instinctively, and they don't—they're not thinking about it, and they have very high-level control of the basic functions in the motorcycle: throttle, clutch, brakes, and number one, they have balance. So everything I talked about, those four things I talked about. Everything revolves around two things, balance and traction. So most riders, most of the time, are out of balance, especially the weekend warrior types who come into the sport past the time when learning is easy. (laughs) They, They are constantly out of balance. And the funny thing is they have balance. They walk around all day. They don't think about balance when they get out of bed, and they they manage to balance quite well. But they get on a motorcycle— and everything goes out the window because all of a sudden they're trying to use their hands for balance. And I don't know very many people can do handstands and walk around on their hands. Um, and then they start trying to control the bike with their upper body as opposed to using their feet like they should. So this is the kind of stuff we teach. It's really basic. But if you want to start start out just from the minute they get on the bike, the bike needs to be balanced. Um, when they crawl onto the, and generally they crawl onto the bike, they should be balanced on the bike. They shouldn't be putting two feet down. They should only have one foot down because the, the when the two feet come down, then they're trying to straddle a motorcycle and then they're along for the ride. So lots of uh, techniques. So I would just um, concentrate on making sure they're balanced to start with. And then if they can't do something slow, in other words, ride around slow, trials riding skills very slow, they can't do it fast. And they should never try to do something fast if they can't do the same thing slower than they feel comfortable there's a comfortable there's a comfortable speed and if they can't do it slower they can't do it faster that is that simple and we spend a lot of time teaching that mm. i think don't i teach that yeah yeah, yeah. a couple of a couple of things. snippets in there <laughs> my biggest thing with with teaching women whether it's your significant other whether it's your friends significant other anything along in that sense is uh, bike selection is actually a pretty big deal to women because they, they, bikes weigh very little when they're in Oh, balance. I thought you were going to say the pretty one. <laughs> so, so bikes weigh very little when they're in balance. And depending on the weight of the bike, when they go fall out of balance, now they get really, really heavy. 
Jimmy will contest to this every time he falls over on his adventure bike. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, so the bike falls over. Yes, yes, because I can't falls over. hold it up because it's too heavy. But uh, so so it, when looking for a motorcycle for these particular women, don't go diving into the you know if it's if it's her very first time on a motorcycle, don't dive into a full size bike and then go get it lowered. It's you're you're spending needless money for. They're never they're never going to go the speed that you think that they need to go on that bike because it's big enough to go the speed like the, it, exactly. a nice small two fifty four stroke or even some of the kids bikes are you know depending on the size of your girl yeah and it's it's I mean even 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 an average sized woman yep. can fit on even an XR one hundred is not that small of a motorcycle I ride one I ride one <laughs> yeah but and and you're big you're big guy yeah and that's and that's kind of a fantastic route to go to because the the older XR lines they're not the heaviest bike in the world they're fairly smaller downsized bikes because because even even a full-size bike if you lower it a lot of times if it's a small woman the the ergonomics really don't work because they're 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 smaller people so yep. lowering it to the ground to get both their feet on the ground you're, you're just then you make it handle horrible. Yeah, you're you're, and you're asking a lot of the bike. It'll feel sluggish. It'll feel extra heavy, which even though it is already heavier, that kind of low rear end will make it extra heavy. Yeah. And, and I, I've seen feeling. some I've seen some people go the complete opposite. They they look at the weight and they go, "Well, you need a YZ250." <laughs> you, you know, a YZ125 <laughs> is a very light bike. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need some sort of thing that has a high strung race motor mm-hmm. and 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 all kinds of stuff. There's so there is you know there's a lot of considerations and stuff, mm-hmm. but for sure in the just in the in the training side of things um take it slow uh there's there's really good um like if you're just getting started um dirt bike school which is you can find through uh dirtbikeschool.com which is mm-hmm. motorcycle safety foundation has a really good introduction program to get people started uh and if if it is somebody you're close to try to find someone who's a good trainer that can that can take them and and you know put them in an environment where they don't feel so pressured mm-hmm. and then they and then because they get pressured then they get mad and then they yell at you and then you start yelling and then you yell back and forth and then I used to think that if I yelled louder I would make Heather madder and she would just do it to quit listening to me yell mm-hmm. that works good doesn't it no yeah actually it kind of did for a while but then she figured out my game so we yelled louder and louder. And she kind of over over the end of it, she realized that if she just got to be a better rider, she'd get to quit listening to me yell. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, and, and, and two at the end of the day, if you get yourself a nice little CRF two thirty, and say your significant other doesn't like riding nearly as much as she thought you would, you end up with a really nice pit bike. You build a flat track in your yard and do donuts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know somebody who did that. Uh, okay, so that's that's it for our uh, pre-programmed questions. Now I'm going to talk about fuel additives and stabilizers. Oh boy! Because I learned I learned some stuff. So um, this is the Chevron Tecron. It's their Power Sports blend. It's kind of a new thing. They sent me some PR on it, so I started asking questions. I started dumping it in some uh, bikes and vehicles to test it, to begin testing it, because it's not something I'm going to test in 25 minutes and then, you know, write a report. Uh, I'm going to actually figure out how this stuff works. But I realized I didn't know exactly how it works or what it does and what it has in it. So uh, I got on the a conference call with some of their um, engineers. They have a technical lab uh, someplace in Central or Northern California. And they kind of explained to me and went straight into talking right over my head and most of our heads. But I did take some notes, and uh, I know a little bit more about it. So the funny thing is is that there's a lot of different stuff out there, and everybody has a different um, method or idea for which is the right, correct blend. And uh, Chevron for sure has their own um, ideas about this as well. Um, Tecron is kind of their brand name for their additive package, and you see it on the pumps. They have a little bit of it in all of their gas, evidently. Uh, but this is what this is what they call something. It's for continuous use. Um, I wrote down the I wrote down the words here. So they call it. They call this. Um, it's called continuous use, and it's called fit for purpose. Um, uh, and they they kept saying that, and I think what they're trying to say is that. They want to make sure that you know that they've designed this for all the stuff that the listener motorcycles, dirt bikes, uh, lawn care equipment, ATVs, UTVs, construction machinery, small engines, snowmobiles, outdoor power equipment. So it's kind of 
it's kind of like stuff that gets used. I would say intermittently, but or or could or could or could be or could be stored for a while. It's not like your car. It does say stabilizes up to two yeah. years. So so I, mean, so I asked all these. I asked every every claim they made. I asked a mm-hmm. question about you know and and I actually. I've actually run some of my own uh, semi-scientific, not really, um, tests where I actually was dangling main jets inside of glass jars. I'd punch a hole in the in the cover and dangle a main jet inside of a glass jar with different fuel additives in, you know, it was, it was suspended in the fuel and watch the fuel evaporate to see if I could simulate some of the stuff I was seeing inside of... Um, inside of carburetors, and I talked to some different people about what was going on inside of there, and I've had a couple different answers, and these guys uh, knew, every time I asked them a question, they knew, okay, that's oxidation, that's um, that's corrosion, that's this, the green color is generally coming from your brass or copper parts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the white stuff is generally coming from the aluminum parts or the magnesium parts, uh, the, the oxidation. Uh, red, if you're having red, which is rust, is more from iron parts, if there are some. Mm-hmm. And they were even telling me about some of the carburetors they've seen and some of their tests are now, they have plastic carburetors out there. And one of the guys had been around long enough where he was talking about brass um, floats, old brass float, you know, and, and, and some of the... a couple of those. Yeah, on, on, your old, yeah, on your old stuff. So it was super, super interesting, uh, enlightening. So what you need to know about this stuff is 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 this one is meant to be used all the time. It's uh, their their mix is what does it say? It's it's one ounce for four gallons. Um, is that so? It's not it's not a lot. And I asked about like, is it better to put more in? And and they said, well, not really. So that you know, because I I'm one of those guys. Well, if one ounce is good, then I'll put two ounces in and it'll be better, sort of thing. When I'm trying to clean out a carburetor, and they said. That there would be some extra added effect, but maybe not as much as you would think, because that's just that's their optimum, you know, optimum ratio. So it's one ounce. I'm pretty sure it's one ounce. Gabe, is it? You see those 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 pamphlets that are sitting next to you? you can bring one of those things over, and John can take a look at that too, and correct me if I was wrong, which is true. I but, didn't uh, see it on here, but so we'll see. So it has it has con- corro- corrosion inhibitors, and basically what a corro- corrosion inhibitor does is it coats everything inside the carburetor. It's it's a molecule that likes to stick to things and essentially, you know, impregnate, or not really necessarily impregnate, but just stick to the sides of the places where there is uh, stuff that it can stick to, and it likes to stick to metal, I it's think. It's one ounce per gallon. One ounce per gallon. Oh, one ounce per four gallons. One ounce per four. I was right. Yep. Hey, this thing still works. Ah, yeah, getting somewhere. Yeah. So it's it's got corrosion inhibitors in there. Um, it has antioxidants, which tends to help with stabilizing the fuel, and this is what what makes it so the mm-hmm. fuel can last. And it um, it prevents the var- varnish from forming. So, so when, it doesn't it doesn't break down and oxidize the brasses and the yep. irons and the so, aluminum and yeah. whatnot. And and then and then there's a ter- detergent in there. And so like in I, I kind of asked and I'll explain that in a second. So there's a detergent in there and then with there's there's essentially um so when the, when there's detergents, there's solvents and there's detergents. And so solvents would be a little harsher chemicals, and there's a, they said there's a little bit of solvents in there, but not a lot, because it's meant to be... I see it's alcohol-free. Yeah, it's, been, it's meant to not be um, hard on your carburetor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, so, but it uses detergents, which are, get this, polarized head, long chains, hydrocarbons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Same, same stuff that's in uh, Rotella. Polarized head long chains hydrocarbons, and what those do is they—I <laughs> I may have made that statistic up. I, yeah. I apologize. But. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so they are basically attracted to the stuff that, like, might be the gum or the varnish. Mm-hmm. That's what the polarized head part of thing does. And then the long chain hydrocarbons, like a tail, on this thing, and then it grabs the contaminant and drags it out. And it does this inside of your fuel, inside of the carburetor or fuel injector, and evidently it does some of that inside of the combustion chamber and in the intake track, so it can remove carbons, uh, deposits, and like so. This is where it kind of went over my head. And so, like, if you're listening to this right now, and then you're gonna go explain it to your friend, um, 
you're probably going to get it wrong because I have a certain amount of wrong. And you know how they, like, if I whispered in your ear something yeah, and it goes around the table. and it, it, So you just got to remember that is uh, probably the case. I saw Mitch walked out, so he probably figured out that he didn't want to hear anymore. <laughs> but, I came back. yeah, he came back, though. Uh, but anyways, it, it, it sounds like some pretty, it sounds like pretty good stuff. It sounds, and I have had, so I've used their fuel injector cleaner before. And I've had success with it. And I told them mm -hmm. how I used it. I actually, when I was noticing a fuel injector starting to get plugged, like on, an, on a single-cylinder motorcycle, when you start losing power, it's generally, if everything else is good, and you start losing power, it's fuel filters, i.e. you're not getting enough gas, or mm -hmm. fuel injector. And if I knew that my fuel filters were clean, and I said, hey, the injector's starting to plug, and I've plugged, I've, not, I've never plugged an injector. I've always caught it before it went mm -hmm. kind of completely kaput. It's just like, especially at you know high horsepower, high load, we would actually take the 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 poor man's way of doing this was to disconnect the the fuel line, drain the fuel out on the one side. I would put the fuel injector cleaner in there, mm -hmm. in it, plug it back in, and then kind of get it to halfway to start, so the fuel injector cleaner would sit inside of there. Okay, and then and then let it sit for a little while, and then try to start it again. Let it sit, so you're essentially you're putting the stuff in there. I learned that that probably wasn't the best way to do it. Maybe a little too intrusive, a little too harsh. Well, or... it's that it's that the way that those those polarized head long chains hydrocarbons work, they like to be moving past stuff. They like they they don't necessarily work when they're just sitting there. Okay. Because they're not a solvent, they're more of a detergent. They're going to wash stuff out, so they so need they, to go by and the grab it. Or the, there's, the... there's fr yeah, exactly friction, agitation, motion. So, like something that would be more that technique would have worked something like that was more of a solvent. But the problem with solvents is, depending on how aggressive they are, if you did that with a very aggressive solvent, you could be doing damage. Mm -hmm. If that solvent were sitting, and I asked about like, okay, how much? They said there's a little bit of solvent in this. How bad is it on O-rings and stuff? And they say it's not bad at all. That's why it doesn't have a lot of it in there. We want mm -hmm. this to be able to sit in your carburetor the whole time, and we don't want it to attack the O-rings. And we have seen, especially in carburetors that have all these mid-body gaskets and mm -hmm. stuff, if you put some harsh solvents in there, even like when you're spraying, you know, especially when you're spraying like a carburetor cleaner or something in there, and it gets in there and it sits, uh, it will actually, it'll either dry the O-ring out or it'll melt it, um, one or the other. Mm -hmm. it, it takes some of the um, parts out of the rubber. And uh, so... That is um, what I've learned about that. So to test it, I'm going to do some of my little um, tests. I'm going to put some of this stuff in some of my glass jars and evaporate some stuff off with pilot jets hanging down in there and see if it how it helps um, the fuel, how it stabilizes the fuel, mm -hmm. essentially. And, and the other thing we talked about a lot was ethanol, the ethanol in our gas, which is in most everybody's gas. And here's, here's the interesting thing, because water is very corrosive. Yes. And that's the problem is that ethanol attracts water. So if, if you have just zero ethanol gas, it can take about 150 parts per million of water. When you have ethanol gas at 10%, it can take 5,000 to 7,000 parts per million of water. So now you see how much water your ethanol gas is mm -hmm. absorbing. And that water getting in there is what's causing all of the problems inside of our carburetors and or fuel injectors. So so the idea behind the stabilizer is that it's going to mitigate the amount of parts per water it's taking on? or It's going to. Uh, okay, I, I made a note about a this. It, it, it's, it's tricky. It's an emulsi it's, it has to do with the emulsifier. Um, the, it, when the water separates and you see how... See how, see how it's it's good. I feel like we should have a graph. For hey, this. Chris Barrett, I need help here because it's good. <laughs> good stuff. It's, it's neutralizing the bad issues. It's new. It, it, it Mitch called us in here. It's neutralizing the bad issues. It does. It, it helps. It it helps. I mean, no matter what, your 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 ethanol gas is going to suck in. It's gonna it's gonna pull in more water and stuff. This this because mostly because. It's done the coating. Um, it's done the corrosion inhibition. It mitigates the effect of the water inside of the fuel system. So 
that's it's it's not going to change the the mm-hmm. fact that it's going to suck in water and then and then a lot of the how much water it is has to do with temperature and a certain temperature it actually separates and it was it was crazy when when this when this chemist started talking about all that stuff it was amazing and I took it in and I kind of have a a vague that so it, so that might be the thing that I would be the most interested in wouldn't so much be the fuel stabilization and it, it's right here the cor- corrosion whatever that word is that you've written cor- down cor- there. Corrosion inhibition. Inhibition. That would be kind of my my biggest want in this particular product, I I would say, because a lot of times you pull these carburetors apart and it's, you know, you've got a pilot jet that is now green. Looks like it's covered yeah, in it's, algae. That's the brass. That's the brass from all your other jets that has, mm. has been corroded which and now, spread out. Yeah, Which you don't know. I mean, has that taken your 220 jet to a 223 and a quarter? No, it usually makes your 35 pilot a zero. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's usually and then and then there's, I, I, and then the, and then the air passageway that 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 thing when it goes up inside of there it makes that uh, so you're 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 open the valve all the way up and it's still like it's all the way shut. Mm-hmm. So, but once you you know once you've taken that and it's so if the outside of this jet is is green and mossy looking, and you clean out this pilot that has now gone from a fifty two to a zero, is it now a fifty three? I mean, there's got to be some material loss there, correct? Yes. It's, and, we're not, and no, we're not for, talking a very big hole here. No, so. for sure. And especially, it depends on how you clean it out. You mm-hmm. know, I, I used to use welding tip cleaners to clean them. And, and you know, sometimes you get it right, and it'd run fine. Sometimes it's all of a sudden, it's yeah, yep. it's wrong. So, replace, you know, you can replace it. So, the idea with this stuff is, I think it's probably not a bad idea. It's, it, and I asked this. I said, so if you're riding your bike every week, is this something you need? And they said, well, not in the short term, but in the long term, Having having it in there every you know and they they I mean, they want to sell it so they're of course they're saying but if you put it in there every once in a while those the 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 cleaning effect is going to work and it's going to do some it's going to clean sense. some parts and I I've you know I mean I have three or four trucks that have you know sub you know plus two hundred thousand miles on them and I've put stuff like this in the tanks and I haven't had to you know. Do any fuel injector work? Knock on, yeah, we're knock on wood, right? So, um, I don't think I don't think it's bad. I th- and and I'll I'll test it and I'll give you a full uh, test when I can actually say some substance substantive stuff about how it works. So, we put a lot of rental bikes away for the for the, and we've done different things. We've put two stroke gas in them, for instance, mm-hmm. in the four strokes in all the bikes because we noticed we had less of that bad um, reactions inside the carburetors on two strokes you know less jet plugging we said oh it must be the oil so we were doing some of that but then also the two-stroke oil separated uh a little bit and you know would gum up at the bottom of the carburetor and then that would suck that in there and then you have another new problem which which i often wonder if that wasn't the reason it was working so well because by the time the fuel started to kind of degrade and take on water the oil had already separated out of it, so now we had basically a, a layer at the bottom of the fuel tank of mostly oil. Yep. So it kind of kept the, the contaminated fuel towards the top. Yeah, because the oils don't, and, and the, the chemist also talked about the esters and the and the oils, how they don't like hydrocarbons and, and stuff. And so, so... So that's a good question. Is So is this safe to use with a two-stroke? Yes, Yep, safe to use. They don't recommend it for diesels, but it's safe to use with two strokes. And yep. uh, um, yeah, and it's and it's good. And they're they're very confident in their two year storing. You know, with with stuff, which is pretty good. So I don't know if I'm going to store any of my bikes for two years, but they'll get they'll get four or five months inside of a 140 degree shipping container, and uh, we'll see how that works out. So that's it. Don't drink this, John. No. <laughs> So okay, I'm going to turn on to the questions uh, that we have, and then we'll we'll talk about or time to talk about the Yamahas. You want to talk about the Yamahas, don't you? I'm going to I'm going to rip through the questions as much as I can. Well, tell them what you like about the Yamahas. Yamaha, brand new, all new, redesigned graphics. YZ125X. Got to be the most exciting bike that I've seen. So far, I mean, there hasn't been too many 2020 bikes come out yet. In the, in the so you're you're one of those internet goons that just like all you talk about is two strokes and 125s. Ah, yeah, they're long, the best. They're the long best. live, long live the two stroke and the 125. Says the guy, anyway, who has probably the biggest XR 200 following. Anyways, known to man. Okay, uh, yeah, the YZ 125X. I kind of saw it coming. I don't know why. I thought they had one in Japan for a while. Um, I thought that was a model that they had in Japan, and. Uh, they said, That's, or at least the Yamaha representative said, no, they didn't have one in Japan. But um, 
Don't worry, he's working on it. it it's it's he's, funny that you would actually see that coming because you know KTM kind of was was downplaying their 200 role, and when they went to the 125 XCW, so well, it, they have 150. Oh, it's a 150. X, yeah, 150 XC uh, XC. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously for Yamaha, it's not it's not the biggest deal in the world for them to. It's they use the same formula as they have on their their YZ 250X. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the 18 inch wheel, it's the O ring chain. The transmission on the 125 is already a six speed, so they don't need to do mm-hmm. anything there. They're, you know, they've tuned the power valve, and that's the biggest thing they do on the YZ 250X. I don't know if they do anything on the pipe on the 125, the 250X. Mm-hmm. The YZ 250X is a really, really good adaption of the of the YZ 250 for off road. Yeah, fantastic. If you're going to do Grand Prix and stuff like that, I I tell people it's like get the X, don't mess around with the yz the mm-hmm. x is better and and it has a different transmission i, I in, in in all honesty i mean the the, the yz is a really really high compression uh, we're talking just the r model the 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 250 motocross model yep high compression rowdy motor i prefer the x even on a moto track yeah and it's I, it's a really rideable bike it's, and for a lot of those um weekend warrior types who come into the sport past the time when learning is easy i think <laughs> To go, you know, go from motocross to to an off road bike, even for motocross, is uh, you know, the power delivery is a little bit better. It's it's good. So, we'll ride that bike as soon as it's available and let you know how it works. Um, the other big news on the on the off road front is the YZ250 FX, which is now um, it's got the good uh, the app. It works with the power tuner app. So it's based off the, it's based off the 19 YZ250, which as you know, we really like that bike's a great motocross bike and they did the FX app adaptation to it, just like Mm -hmm. the YZ450 FX. So you can use the, the phone power tuner app. So you have tons of adjustability there. That is really hard to beat there. It's like buying 650 exhaust systems, 80 cams and, Mm -hmm. uh, all different kinds of things. And then you just and it has the button and it's funny they they have a video there there it's out on their social media sites and it, it's just all about like the pushing the button mm-hmm. and they actually did a really good job with it they show the guy like ripping out in the open and then coming in the woods and hitting the button and then you hear the bike going rut 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 as opposed to ah and uh, um, yeah I was I, I know when when Yamaha kind of first came out with that app it was really quite amazing how how broad of a spectrum they offered with that. Yep. I mean, it was, you you could take a rowdy R model 450 and turn it into a puppy dog 2005 bike. 450X with super low end grunt. Yeah. It was, you yeah, could, you could really do a lot there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, so the, the, I think I'm excited about the YZ250 FX. I think if you're in that realm and you saw how well the, and we, we even alluded to that bike coming out, but you saw how well that um, YZ250FX even did in the 2019 form in our comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like the all-around. It, it was the one that did everything. It definitely had some points where it was it just kicked ass, but um, what a good bike. And if it's going to get like YZ better, kind of like the, the 450 did, uh, watch out, <laughs> especially in the 250, because the thing that they have with that interesting engine configuration, the reverse cylinder, the airbox mounted high, mm-hmm. the downdraft... It makes power and a lot of it Oof. for a long time, um, and it's just an advantage in the 250 thing. So the YZ450 and what did you, and John was pretty stoked on the uh, the the gray color, the gray colorway. Where's the, the gray? The, the, that the, that's the, the that's the gray. Uh, he I said black it, is back. Yeah, black and gray. Yep. According to Yamaha, it's not technically black, but it's gray. Yeah, it's gray. Yeah. So uh, a little the, bit of blue there. They have so they have a blue one and they have a gray one. And that bike, they're calling it all new. Well, hey, <laughs> so black wheels. Uh huh. Was, was it blue? The blue one probably has blue wheels still. Uh-huh. So um, the uh, so that one has quite a lot of changes inside the motor. It's an all new mm-hmm. cylinder head. Um, it has a different. Probably what you're going to feel the most from is it has a longer rod and a different. Uh, uh, different different height cylinder it's still bla- displacement still the same stroke still the same but they've changed some stuff around so they're obviously they, they going they changed the uh, the angle of the cylinder correct didn't they I don't think the angle I th- no because the frame is still the same shape and everything like mm-hmm. that they have new engine mounts and they're tuning the rigidity of the chassis some thicknesses in places uh, they've played around with the suspension and stuff but um, they're you know Yamaha over the years it's kind of like KTM they're going to going for reduced friction everything they do to find reduced friction inside the motor. 
um, you know, with just even the, the air pumping through the motor, uh, they're they're working on that kind of stuff. That's where we're mm-hmm. at with power, and the, and it's mostly it's not that that bike needed power. I mean, it had plenty of plenty of power. They're just trying to to, to spread it out differently and mm-hmm. make it uh, better. But they're they're boasting more power for twenty twenty, correct? Yeah, they're definitely saying there's more more power. Actually, I have the thing. Uh, let's see. Um, rear slanted. Um, let's see. In all, the lighter, more compact engine produces increased power across the entire RPM range for a stronger and more linear pulling power. That is, so that's a mouthful. That it's, that is getting seriously impressive these days. I mean, we're we're that somebody can write all those awesome words that they can put all those words in there, <laughs> but then also that we can get four fifties that are putting this amount of power this smoothly. I mean, it's 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 almost jaw dropping to to really think about it. I mean, how much how much peak horsepower did your XR six fifty in Baja make? Probably not sixty, or you know, the, I think <laughs> these I think these are around fifty eight. You know, it depends on the dyno. You know, I'll, I, if I ever get a dyno, my dyno is going to have like five more horsepower than anybody else's. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, we're talking everyone. The internet will hate me for this one, but <laughs> the the KX five hundred, the CR five hundred, they didn't make this much horsepower. No, they didn't make this much horsepower off the. I mean, and it's, and it's, they made it in a range that was about that long. Yeah, and they yeah. were they were short, they were stubby, they were wild, and and these things will absolutely eat one alive. <laughs> yeah, and and the motors physically, the motors are lighter, mm-hmm. that which is strange. You know, you think, oh, this light two stroke motor. Oh, you, they've got cams, they've got extra chains, extra yeah, uh, valves, and oh, yeah. So now you see, you were all YZ one twenty five two stroke guy, and you just completely. I don't know what I when I want to call it the bed. You know, you just wrecked it. You just went back to four stroke. Well, dude. see, I, I like four fifties, but then at the other, other end of the spectrum, you, you cannot beat a YZ one twenty five in the fun department. Yeah, so I, I I like to break down these press releases every once in a while. You know, just to get into it. So the lighter, more compact engine that's still in a frame that's exactly the same size. Um, yeah, interesting. You know, because like. So physically, the bike's not going to change, but the motor's lighter and more compact, you know, by some grams. Mm-hmm. But they have to dig; they have to dig down to come up with these things. But let's talk about the Suzukis real quick. Well, I mean, it's it's better than their bold new graphics. They've uh, RMZ four fifty since it's already a champion. Um, um, a lot of stuff happened last year, is what they're saying, and they're going to um, hmm, they're going to be exactly the same, which isn't a bad thing. Because <laughs> the 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 interesting thing is they're they're a lot less expensive. They're a couple couple grand less expensive. Well, so they're they're a couple grand less expensive right out the gate, but because they don't change and because they don't have electric start and hydro clutches and Suzuki makes a couple grand more on the backside? Well, no, so they're they're a couple grand cheaper right off the gate and then they also don't sell. So it makes them significantly cheaper when you go to buy one. A year or two later. Yeah. So it's it's I mean, I I really can't hate on the Suzukis. They're they're at the end of the day, they are really good bikes. They're they're some of the best turning bikes, and yeah. on a smooth track. I mean, even to this day, I every time if 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 it's a smoother you know uh, turn intensive track, they're incredible. Oh god, they work great. Yeah. And and even even a couple of years ago when we tested the uh, RMZ 450X, the R yeah RMX 450Z yeah 450Z, it. That was a really good motorcycle for what it was, and it really didn't get this. Oddly big... enough, that one had electric start. It did have electric start, <laughs> and it, it it even then didn't get that big of a uh, a bump from sales. It didn't sell that well. Well, it it they 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 kind of had them for a while, and then they kind of went away, mm-hmm. and and they're which. They're... But but at the end of the day, I I've actually got quite a few buddies that went out and purchased one of those. And they currently are still racing them in the desert and racing them in, in Grand Prix yep. style races because it's it gets them into the 450 class. It gets them into good suspension, brand new motorcycle that's got you know it doesn't have any ailments because it's still a brand new bike off the showroom floor, but significantly cheaper than the other Jap manufacturers and definitely cheaper than the Austrian. Yeah, and and it's... and and when we're talking about all these bikes, you know the the the, the levels like when so Yamaha's done all these improvements to their bike. Let's just say. And 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 they're they're they made a lot of improvements and and if you're on the edge of like I need every last bit of this which none of us do but we all feel like we do, mm-hmm. there you're going to notice the Yamaha like from last year to this year you'll probably most guys would probably notice it. Now, if you rode the Yamaha and the new Suzuki and you're not at the kind of the top of your game, and we've had this happen with when we do shootouts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. 
if the guy isn't really into it, you know, it, like following everything or really feel it, sometimes the Suzuki is actually a better bike. Yeah. I mean, it's not better when they have to kickstart it. You, you know, it's 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 not it's not better when the track gets rough. But this is the kind of guy that is not going to ride around a rough track. And, and even then, I mean, at the end of the day, okay, and, so we have to kickstart this bike. It's a little harder on the left hand, but the, the money you save there. I mean, if you if you were to go out and try to be a, a privateer racer right now, yeah. I mean, think of the amount of tires that you could show up with brand new sticker tires to every race <laughs> you show up to for two years would would negate the, yeah. the cost of the bike. Yeah, and I, and I, and I like I'm not defending it. You know, I I mean, I wish they were I wish they were making new ones, you know, better ones every year and stuff. But th- there's a like I said, there's a there's a spot for it, mm-hmm. and and there's 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 good there's variety. I wish somebody would actually make like almost a, a budget motocross bike. And and yeah, I don't want to call the Suzuki a budget motorcycle bike because it's not. Motorcycle. And it's a good quality bike, but at the end of the day, because they don't pump R and D into it every single year and constantly raise the price. Yep. It. it it's good for the motorcycle economy. It's super good, just like the YZ125. Everyone complains that no one, no one ever changes these. Oh, they don't know. Oh, yeah, they did complain. They were just saying it should be direct injected and uh, of port course, and but then it would cost ten grand and it would have a KTM <laughs> sticker on it. It's it's fan- no, it still have a Yamaha sticker on it. It needs to have a hydraulic clutch and it needs to have it needs but, to have. Uh, oh no, we we got off the air forks. Where are we at now? <laughs> but, so, but yeah, so I mean, th- that bike is fantastic for the economy, and this X I think is fantastic as well because it's it's maybe MSRP might be three, four, five hundred dollars more to get an eighteen inch wheel and some you know some some different characteristics out of it, but you're still probably phew, I don't want to throw numbers out there, but several grand cheaper than. Yeah, we, we 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 looked at some dealers when we were doing our 450 shootout because we had to, you know, just in stacking it, we had high-level riders that were, you know, complaining about the Suzuki, and it was mostly about the shock, in all honesty. A mm-hmm. uh, little bit of the fork, a little bit of the shock, some about the weight, you know, when we got over the kickstarting issue. Um, we had to start going, okay, look, it's your money, and you're going down to your dealer. You know, this is the way. So we brought the price into the equation we were talking about, you know, and, and we wanted to bring that up. So I'm going to go to questions right now um let's see chris smith wants to know how much is it to be a sponsor on the tv for an episode behind me uh you send me an email at jimmy at dirtbiketest.com and we can discuss that in private (laughs) let's see um somebody said um get some good lights like baja designs everything is different at night uh what's been your guys experience uh I use a lot of Baja Designs lights, and I love them. Uh, they're high quality, uh, super, um, and you know, just it, you get what you pay for. You know, you pay the extra fifty dollars for the next level up in light, and you're going to get easily fifty dollars more light. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, excellent lights. Yes, I run them. I ride at night a lot. I have them on my adventure bikes as well as auxiliary lights. Uh, great. Let's see. Um, what about uh, XR six fifties? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Okay, now we now. Oh, I brought it up. <laughs> uh, Ray, Ray Groom, dead Kennedys are minor threat. Uh, minor threat. Uh, he's asking about punk bands there. Uh, recycled bowling balls. What does that have to do with anything? Marco asks, "Hey Jimmy, you sure look nice tonight. The set looks neat. Now say something mean and make someone feel stupid. That's the way to teach. It worked for me. <laughs> I, did I, I? I was mean to you, wasn't I already? Uh, yeah, no, I think we started the show off that way. So we, it, I, I just want everybody really to know that. that on this TV screen behind us, it's what is it going to cost John to not get us to play this video that we have? Oh, yeah, oh. that's that's what uh, that's, that's the question, that's Chris Smith. Uh, let's see, Stephen Walker, three fifty five hundred bikes on the tires. Yes, I also like Kenda. Oh, he was the one that asked about the. Oh, great. Okay, Stephen, um, I'm going to uh, send me another question for next week uh, about, and, and specify the size, and I'll go. I'll go into that. I'll die. See, I told you I was going. I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I was. How do I know this? I'm going to have to answer this question uh, again. Uh, water wetter. Yes, George. Water. Wet. No, that's not what you did to your pants. You didn't water wetter your pants. Uh, let's see. Last week, I claimed to Jimmy that he and I rode in the same areas around Vegas. He quickly made me feel like a lowlife, as I am not a hard enduro champ, barely survives as a volunteer on a KOM 18. So, um, 
Oh, we, good. So we was, appreciate your volunteering. Yeah, we appreciate it. John volunteered and raced. I did? Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jesse. I can't remember names and faces, but I remember all the rocks. So um, anyways, uh, where do I buy a better rider? <laughs> I, you don't buy a better rider. You go to Jimmy Lewis, Jimmy Lewis Offroad.com, uh, and we don't have a schedule up there because we don't start up again until October. And you come to the class, and then you go and practice all the stuff that we teach. Because mm. it's like a shot in the arm of heroin, and then you just need more. Uh, let's see. More riding more, techniques. More riding and, te- and techniques. Practice, yes. Um, Startron is the stuff. Um, I have used that as well. I haven't... This is. I'm going to put it in my test. Uh, helps keep the water suspended. Now, Chris Real is another guy I need to get in here because he's like a petroleum engineer. He could talk right over my head on all of this stuff. Uh, so, let's see. It lubricates the system, which allows the detergent to clean and adheres hydrocarbons and other such as ethanol and extra water to be pulled through the combustion chamber... As a balanced firing, yeah, that's what they—that's what they told me, Bobby. Almost exactly that—that that, that this stuff it allows it to suck the ethanol and water into the fuel without it, so it doesn't separate as much, I guess. So, um, I wonder would the would the detergent in this? Uh, no, San Felipe Bob Jesse mentioned. Um, that's weird. Wife kidnapped me, he said. And how did he, how did he show up? He gets called out, and then he showed. Somebody must have texted him. Yep. Told him he's not being followed. So that's uh that's it for our questions. So so one one last question on this yes. is the the detergent in this. Do we think that it might have something to do with the friction? So losing friction in order to help get it through injectors and get it to to move around and, and flow freely. Losing, uh, I I don't. Those, those I words don't know. If I I think. Like, like the, they they explain the detergent is this, these long chain hydrocarbons. That's mm-hmm. what they said the detergent is. Now it doesn't when it sits there. They may go and attach to something, but if they don't go any place, they don't do any cleaning. Does that, that make? That's that what sense? I'm saying. So so kind of as they pass by and they they daisy chain on the pieces to 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 pull it to out. To pull it out. I would assume that's lowering friction. Correct. Because in order for it to pass by a piece to grab it. And no, I think you need on. to go buy one of those straight hoses for your fuel injector. Yeah, I don't have any clue what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'm trying. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Um, please tell all your friends to uh, watch us. Yeah, just send, send this. Let's get, the, let's get the numbers up on this thing. Um, that way I can go get more than uh, $10 for the yeah. logo behind me. Share it. Share it on your personal page. I, my yeah. mother watched tonight. <laughs> Share it to John's mom so that she knows where to, to uh, find him. Uh, I want to thank uh, everybody for coming on. Uh, Gabe for helping out uh, get our um, our pictures up behind us on the background. John for being helpful as usual. Hopefully his work schedule allows him to come in uh, more often. I can't make it rain, so I can't dangle that carrot in front of him anymore. And as you noticed, I didn't have any tequila tonight because there was certainly no I forgot. Rain either. So, on that note, we will uh, see you next week, hopefully, because uh, I'm going to be a little bit remote, but I may be able to pull it off, and I might even have a really famous special guest. But that's just a nugget of information. More famous than I? He might have, yeah, a little bit little more. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It depends on where where we're talking about in the motorcycle community. Yeah. Got, he's got some Instagram followers. So, okay, uh, signing off. We will see you out on the trail. Ciao.